We'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 12. We're continuing our study of this great Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. And we're seeing really what we call a, a transition. We're seeing the history of the nation of Israel and a transition from the time of the judges to the time of the kings. I'll remind you a little bit more in just a second about the judges. Remember that the nation of Israel is God's chosen people, picked them out, saved, in a sense brought them out and abused them in a lot of different ways. As we look at this book, 1 Samuel, there are really three names that stand out, three people. Samuel, who is the final judge, Saul, who's the first king, and David, who's going to be the second king. Now, we haven't even got to David yet. He's a little bit later on in the book, so most everything so far has been about Samuel, and now Saul has kind of entered the picture. And what we're seeing is the transition from Saul, the final judge, to, um, excuse me, Samuel, the final judge, to Saul, the, the first king. And we, we've been seeing some of the things, because Saul has already had the private anointing, and then he's been brought in front of all the people. Well, this morning, Samuel gives his final address to the nation. And when we say his final address. His final address is the judge. He's still going to be the prophet and the priest and those kind of things. As we see this passage, I want to raise some questions for us to think about. Number one is there, there's two ways we can live, and we're going to see Samuel talks about it. We can make application in our lives. Second, we can see that we are to pray for one another, and as we think about it, not only pray, but for, to teach one another as well. And then finally, the key part that we see over and over is that God is faithful. So as we study this morning, where we see those things as we go through it, of course, if you're here for the first time or something, we go through the Bible verse by verse, passage by passage. We call it expository teaching. And so we started several months ago the, the book of 1 Samuel, and we'll just go right through the stories, uh, the events there. The Bible is written for our instruction that we can know and apply in our lives. So this is where we are, 1 Samuel chapter 12. So as we begin, when you think about the Bible, there are passages in which we see somebody giving their final words or their final talks. We think about Moses. Right before he's about to die, he t talks to Joshua and tells Joshua about what's going to happen, and he talks to the nation of Israel about going into the promised land. When Jacob was about to die, he called in his 12 sons and gave them information. When Paul was about to die, he wrote a letter to Timothy. It was 2 Timothy, and he told Timothy, I fought the fight, I've kept the faith, that kind of thing. When Jesus was leaving, he said, let not your be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. And he told his disciples he was leaving, but he was going to send the Holy Spirit, and then one day he would come back. Well, this morning we're seeing Samuel's final words, and it's not final words of his life, but it's his final words as leadership role as a judge. Now, he's still a prophet and a priest, but being a judge was huge, and we'll talk more about it in just a minute, but Samuel is the final judge, a powerful man. He's about to uh, pass it over. He calls himself an old man. He's ready to do that. Now, Here's, here's, here's the problem. Israel wanted a king so that they could be like the rest of the nations. The problem was God didn't want Israel to be like the rest of the nations. In a normal nation, their king was the God, but in Israel, God was the king. And so we've seen that the nation of Israel, by wanting a king, actually did wrong. They were asking for a king. It was the wrong time and really the wrong king, and we're going to see it as we go through it. Last week, we saw that this group from Ammon, the Ammonites, came up and attacked a city, and they were going to kill the people there or poke their eyes out, those kind of things. And so Saul took over, and Saul, who had been anointed as king, took over, took leadership, and actually went and had a great victory. And so when we saw last week, we'd say, wow, Saul did great. He did. 
we've said all along that Saul starts great and he finishes really poorly. And so we're going to look at him. And last week it looked really good. Well, this week it's Samuel. And Samuel addresses the nation and he gives up his leadership position as a judge. He's still a prophet, still a priest. Here's sort of the outline of what we're looking at. It's 25 verses. We'll go fairly quickly through it. I just want you to see some of the key things that we can apply in our lives from this passage. We see that Samuel's character is there. We see the review of the history of Israel. He talks about two ways to live, two directions. And this will be something that we can really apply when we look at that part. He gives a sign. I'll talk about what that is in a, in a minute. And then the, the rest of the book, uh, basically the rest of the chapter, the reaction and all of those things. Well, let's see the final message by Samuel as the, as the judge, and he reminds them. Look at chapter 12, 1 Samuel 12, look at verse 1. Then Samuel said to all Israel... Behold, I've listened to your voice and all that you said to me, and I have appointed a king over you. Now, here he is. He's talking to them. He says, I've, I've listened to what you said. You wanted a king to be like the other nations. That's what they wanted. Remember, God is in control. And to be real honest, as we talked about it, uh, they, they shouldn't have asked for the king. A king is going to come later. God actually told them back in Numbers and Deuteronomy that one day there would be a king, but this was not the time. So the people wanted a king. And so basically, if you remember, when they came to Samuel and said, you're old, Samuel, your, your sons are not very good. We want a king. Samuel went to God and God said, Samuel, they've not rejected you. They've rejected me. And so in reality, the nation of Italy has done wrong. Israel has done wrong by asking for a king. We've seen that God has given him a king. His name is Saul. And look at verse two. He says, now here is the king walking before you. And I'm old and gray. And behold, my sons are with you. And I've walked before you from my youth even to this day. He says, now you have a king. You have a king. And, and if you remember, Saul was handsome. Saul was taller than everybody else. He was a head taller than everybody else. And if you were looking for a king, that would be a good guy to look for. You'd say, now that guy looks like a king. And they picked him. And we're going to see what happens. He starts good, but does not do very well. I love this verse. Look at the end of the part of the verse where Samuel says, I'm old and I'm gray, and I've walked before you from my youth even to this day. Now, when we think about the life of Samuel, when we study this book, we've seen his whole life. The book of Samuel starts, and he's not even born yet. And if you remember, his mother went to the priest, and priest, the high priest Eli, and said, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And sure enough, she had a son, and from about five years old on, Samuel stayed at the tabernacle with old Eli. Eli was in his 90s, and he was raised there. And I put this down. He stayed with, uh, in the tabernacle Eli. He became the prophet of God. Whatever Samuel said came true because he's a prophet of God. He was also the judge who led the people. When we say a judge, he's a deliverer. He's a fighter. And then he's also the priest who offered sacrifices. He says, you've seen my life. I've walked with you from my youth even to this day. I just thought it was amazing that in these 12 chapters, basically, 11 chapters, we've seen the life of Samuel. We've seen him from before he was born to being a little boy to growing up and being a, a prophet and a priest and a judge. So he's an amazing man. He's one of the great men in the Bible. A lot of times people, they forget him. You know, you say things like, who are great people in the Bible? And you say, well, Abraham and Moses and Noah and, you know, and, 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 and great leaders like that. Sometimes Samuel is left out, but he was an incredible leader. Now he talks about his life, and this is something that we need to think about in our own lives. Look what he says in verse 3. He said, here I am. Bear witness against me before the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? 
Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? I'll restore it to you. He's basically said to them, what have I done wrong? Over all these years, I'm my old man. They watched him grow up from a little boy. He's been a judge all this time. He's been a priest all this time. He said, well, what have I done wrong? Who have I defrauded? Have I stolen anything? Have I been unfair? Have I taken a bribe? Have I been unfaithful as a judge? And then we can stop and ask ourselves, how we doing? How we doing? Are we doing things wrong? Are we lying about things? Are we not doing things we should be doing? Have we defrauded people? Have we, have we stolen things? Have we been unfair? Uh, he, he said, no, I, I've never done anything. And he's asking them, what, what do you want to say about it? Look at their answer. And they said, you have not defrauded us or oppressed us or taken anything from any man's hand. He said, you've been honest all the way. It reminds me of Daniel. You remember Daniel? When Daniel was 14 years old, he was taken into captivity into the Babylonian Empire. And from the very beginning, at a 14-year-old boy, all the way to an old man in his 90s, Daniel was a faithful man. Faithful man all the way through. And, and whatever Daniel did, he did what was right. He lived according to the Bible. God raised him up to amazing positions. He always did what was right. The same thing with Samuel. And look what they say about him. They said, you have not defrauded us or oppressed us or taken anything from any man's hand. He was a great leader. What about our lives? When we do our jobs, when we go to work, do we do the work the best we can? Do we do our schoolwork the best we can? When we're dealing with other people, how do we relate to them in our personal relationships, in our jobs, in our neighborhoods, in our families? Are we honest? Do we take advantage of people? How do we live? Are we living in such a way that brings honor and glory to Jesus Christ? Or are we living in such a way that moves away? We need to be men and women of character in the same way that Samuel was a man of character. And, and God knows, and as believers, we need to be honest. We need to live in such a way that, Jesus, that people would say, man, they are different. We need to live in such a way that we bring honor and glory to Christ. So then at the end, here's sort of the summary. He said to them, the Lord has witnessed against you and has anointed his witness this day that you found nothing in my hand. He says, you found nothing that I've done wrong all my life. I've always treated you fairly and right. And they said, he is witness. He is witness. Wow, what a life. What a life. When, when we stand before our Savior, Jesus Christ, what do we want to hear him say? Well done, good and faithful servant. We want to hear him say that. We want to be honest people and righteous people and living righteously and, 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 and to glorify God in our lives. We want to be like Paul where he said toward the end, I've fought the fight, I've kept the faith, I've run the race, I've, I've done all the things God had for me to do. We've talked about being on fire and we've talked about it as young people and old people, older people. And, and, and we say this, that sometimes when people begin to get older, they say, well, I've done my thing. Listen, you've never done your thing. You're running the race to the end. As Prophet Hendricks used to say, don't be sliding for home. You live your life for the glory of God all the way to the very end. You have gifts, talents, and abilities. Whether you're older or younger, you need to live in such a way that you bring glory to God, and glory to God, and you don't want to say, well, I've kind of done my thing. Let other people take over. You've never done your thing. We finish our thing when we die, when God takes us off the face of this earth. So run the race with endurance and be like a Samuel who can say at the end, have I done what I was supposed to do? And they said, yes, you have. And be like Paul who said, I finished the course. I've kept the faith. I've run the race. 
Now, from here, what Samuel does is he's talked about himself, and they all go, yeah, you've been good. Now he's going to remind them. He's going to give them a history lesson is what he's going to do. And, of course, if I said, now we're fixing to have a history lesson, most of you would go, golly, uh, why did I come today, right? I mean, because most people don't like history, but he's going to give us a brief history for the nation of Israel to remind them that, and here's the key, God is faithful. Let me ask you a question. If you stopped right now and you begin to look back on your life, from this point back, has God been faithful to you? Has he done things beyond what you could ask or imagine? On the way to church this morning, I always get here real early, and, and I was riding in the car. It only takes about three, four, or five minutes to get here because I don't live very far away. But I started thinking about all the things that he's done for me and all the things that he's given me. I mean, it's unbelievable. I think about my family, and I think about my kids and my grandkids, and I think about getting to be a pastor, and I think about my wife, and I think about all the the things that, back when I used to be a coach and everything, I used to do that, and then I went to, I got to go to Israel, I got to go to the Olympics, I got, I mean, I started thinking about all the things that God has done in my life, and you know what? He's faithful. He's faithful in everything, the good things and even the, the sad things or the hard things. God is faithful. He's going to remind these people because this is a transition. They're going from a great leader, Samuel, to a new leader, Saul. And at this point, they think he's pretty good. He's tall and we had a great victory and everything's going great. They're going to find out that he's not that great. And we're going to see what Samuel reminds them how God is faithful. Look at verse, oh, let's see. um, Samuel said to the people, look at verse 6. It is the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron and who brought up your fathers from the land of Egypt. He says God is the one that's given the leaders. He appointed Moses and Aaron. He's done all of these things, and he's the one that took care of you. And in verse 7, he says, so now take your stand. Take your stand right now that I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord which he did for you and your fathers. And that's what I'm telling you today. Think back about all the things that God has done for you and for me. Now, he gives a review, and as we look at verse 8, he, he, we're going to see a review in three things. He's going to talk about the Israel, the nation from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Exodus. He's going to talk about the time of Judges, and I'm going to describe it to you in just a second what that was. And he even talks about himself there, and then he talks about the new king, Saul, and what that's going to be like. So let's start. He talks about the, the deliverance from Egypt. Look at verse 8. He says, when Jacob, when Jacob went into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and settled them in this place. And that's what God did. God delivered them out. He used Moses and Aaron. You'll never forget that. And they never forget it. By the way, when you think about that story, here's the nation of Israel. They've been slaves for 400 years. They're in Egypt. And God brings Moses and Aaron, who was there. And then they come. And God brings 10 plagues. The nation of Israel comes out, parts the Red Sea. They go across the Red Sea. They get into a place. He brings water out of a rock. He brings manna up off the ground. He brings birds out of the sky. He takes care of them for 40 years. Years wandering around in the wilderness. That's what he did. He took care of them. He brought them. And it says here, God raised up Moses and Aaron who brought you out of Egypt and settled you in 
this place. That's perfect. That's what he did. You can look back in your life and you can say, I remember how God took care of me here. Then the second thing he talks about is the time of the judges. That's verses 9, 10, and 11. And this is when the nation turned away from God. Let me show you, let me remind you of what the time of the judges is. If you look at the Bible, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's all that first part. And then beginning in Joshua, they take the land. Then there's a book called Judges. What is Judges about? Judges about this. When the nation of Israel got into the land, God said, remove the enemy, worship me, and I'll let you stay in the land. They got into the land, and they began to worship false gods. Now, that's hard to imagine. That When you saw God part the Red Sea, provide for you for 40 years, you get into the land, and you worship false gods. And he allowed enemies to come in to conquer them. When they would conquer them, the nation of Israel would cry out to God. God would raise up a leader called a judge. The Hebrew word is sophertim, which means deliverer. And they would defeat the enemy, and the nation of Israel would be happy. They would, they would do great as long as the judge was alive. When the judge died, they worshiped false gods. Enemy came in, conquered them. They cried out to God. He raised up another judge. Thirteen times in the book of Judges, the nation of Israel does that cycle. Thirteen times. We do the same thing. We say, oh, Lord, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to do really, really good. Then we sin. And then we're all sad. And we all get messed up. Then we confess our sin. He takes care of us. We get back into fellowship. We say, oh, I'm going to really live for you, God. I'm going to live for you and do good. Then we mess up again, and we do the same thing over and over. They did it. God sent the judges to protect them and take care of them. And he's actually going to name some of the judges. He's going to look at verse 9. But they forgot the Lord their God. So he sold them into the hands of Sisera, captain of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines, into the hand of the Moabites. He's just listing a whole bunch of things that they did. And they cried out to the Lord. Look at verse 10. We have sinned because we've forsaken the Lord and we served the, the Baals and Asheroth. But now deliver us from the hands of our enemies and we will serve you. Does that sound familiar? They obeyed God. They disobeyed God. God brought the enemy in, they cried out to God, please help us, and we'll do what's right. So then God, verse 11, the Lord sent Jerubbabel and Bedan and Jephthah and Samuel, he even names himself, he delivered you from the hand of your enemies on those who lived in security. So that's what they did. They cried to God, and then God would raise up a judge. Samuel was one of the judges. If you remember, the last time we saw Samuel go to war, they defeated the Philistines after losing to the Philistines a bunch of times until Samuel took the leadership. So this is what happened at the time of the judges, and he reminds them. And he reminds them that even he was used by God. Now he's up to the present time, and now he's going to talk about the kings. And he's going to talk about the king Saul, and he tells the story that we just saw last time. Look at verse 12. When you saw that Naash, the king of the son of Ammon, came up against you, you said to me, no, we want a king to reign over us, although the Lord your God was your king. Now remember that. When the nation of Israel said, I want a king, they were doing wrong. They should have said, God, you protect us. We don't need a man to protect us. But that's what they said. So God said, okay, we'll give you a king. We'll give you a king. Look at verse 12. When you saw Nahash, you remember Nahash? Nahash was a leader of the Ammonites, and he came to the city of Jabesh Gilead, and he told them, we're going to come kill every one of you. If you want to surrender, we'll poke all your right eyes out. And so they sent word, and Saul raised up, got people together, and they went, and they had a big victory. So everything looked real good. 
With that in mind, watch what he says. Now, therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen, whom you asked for, and behold, the Lord has set a king over you. Here's the king you wanted, and that's his name is Saul. So far, if you ask them, is Saul a good king? They'd say, oh, he's great. He's handsome. He's tall. We just defeated the Ammonites, just wiped them right out. We did so good. Saul's going to be probably the greatest king ever. Well, he's going to be a great king for about one more chapter. And then he's going to start turning away, and we'll see what happens to him. And this is the king you wanted. Now, let me raise a question. I want you to stop and think for just a second. How did the nation of Israel live at the time of Moses, the time of Judges, the time of King? And how do we live? And here's what he says. He's going to say this. You have two ways to live. You can either follow God or not follow God. You can either have obedience and blessing. You can have disobedience and discipline. If you follow God, there's blessing. If you turn away from God, there's discipline. It's always that way. Look at verse 14. If you fear the Lord and serve him and listen to his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God. If you do not listen to the voice of the Lord but rebel against the commands of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Here's what he says. There's two directions to go, and this is for every one of us in this room. There's two directions for we can go. We can either serve and obey, not rebel. In other words, live according to the Bible, live our lives for Jesus Christ. Say, Lord, I want my life to count for you. I want to live for you. I want to do the things you want me to do. When we do that, obedience always brings blessing. Or, and that's what he says, if the nation of Israel rebels against God's commandments, there will be discipline. It always is that way, and that's the key for us. If we obey God, there's blessing. If we disobey God, there's discipline. What we're supposed to do when we sin is we confess our sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us and put us right back into fellowship. If we seek to live outside of fellowship with God, there'll be discipline. Every one of us in this room, every day that we get up, when you stand up in the morning and get ready to live, you have a choice. The choice is to live for God or not live for God. To obey, there will be blessing. To disobey, will be discipline. That's the way it is. And God has this plan. He wants you to live righteously and godly. And he says, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every child he receives. Obey God's word, there's blessing and wisdom. Excuse me, disobey God's word, there's discipline and foolishness. And so every one of us, even today, well, our day's half over, but you can say to yourself today, what am I going to do? Am I going to seek to live for Jesus Christ and make an impact for Christ and live for him in such a way that brings honor and glory to Jesus? Or am I going to live for myself and my flesh? Am I going to disobey the word of God? And there'll be discipline. God says to the nation of Israel, Samuel says it, God speaking through him, if you obey God, you and the king, it'll go great. You disobey God, you and the king, it won't go great. And we're going to see what happens. And so he says, I'm going to give you a sign. Now, let me ask you this. What do you mean a sign? He's going to give them a sign. Now, listen, this is not a good sign. This is a bad sign. He's going to tell them, you've disobeyed God by asking for a king. And I want to prove it to you. Watch this. He says in verse 16, even now, take your stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. What is the thing that he's going to do? Watch the next verse. He says, is it not the wheat harvest today? I'll call to the Lord that he may send thunder and rain that you will know and you will see your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord. Why? Why? By asking for yourselves 
a king. He says, I'm going to call upon the Lord, and he's going to bring thunder and rain. Now, by the way, in Israel at this time, at the time of the harvest, it never rained. It never rained. And so for him to say, I'm going to bring rain today, he's saying, I'm showing you that you've done wrong. And so what happens? Look at the next verse, verse 18. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. See what happened? They recognized that they had sinned by asking for a king. Look at verse 19. Then all the people said to Samuel, pray for your service to the Lord your God so that we may not die for we've added to our sins, to all our sins, this evil by asking for ourselves a king. See, the truth is they shouldn't have asked for a king. They should have trusted God. They should have said, God, when you want us to have a king, you'll raise up a king, but they're asking for a king now. And so God says through Samuel, you blew it. You asked for a king, and I'm showing you that it was wrong. And then they say, oh, but, oh, help us. Oh, please help us. And that's just what we do. When we sin, what should we do? We should say, Lord, we confess our sins. We want to get back into fellowship with you. So what does Samuel do? They've recognized that they've sinned. They've recognized that they fall short. So look what he says to them in verse 20. Samuel said to the people, do not fear. You've committed all this evil, yet do not turn away from aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Don't fear. Listen, every one of us in this room could stop right now and say, we blew it. And it's over. I mean, we, we've openly disobeyed the living God. Every one of us in the room, I guarantee you, every one of us, count me, could say, we've openly disobeyed the living God. We could say, it's over. But God, no, he said, no, it's not over. Confess that sin. Don't fear. Keep on following the Lord. Keep on following the Lord. Do not allow past sins to stop you from serving God now. Every one of us could say, we've blown it and God won't use us anymore. Let me tell you something. We've blown it, but God will use us. I talked to a friend the other day and here's what he said. He said, because of all my past bad stuff, God's not using me anymore. And I said to him, you're wrong. I said, right now, you have an opportunity to teach the Bible at least once a week. You have an opportunity to do this. You get to do this. I named three things that he got to do. And he said, you're right. You're right. And I said, so don't say that God's not using you anymore because God will take you and use you no matter what. When you confess your sins and get back in the fellowship, this is all of us, God will take us and use us. So every one of us in this room, there may be some of you saying, I've blown it in the past, God's not going to use me now. He will use you as long as he has you on this earth. So don't let something you've done in the past stop you from making an impact for Jesus Christ right now. Don't let it stop you. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you, and you can use you for his glory. What does he tell them? He says, don't fear. You've committed this evil, but don't turn away from following the Lord and serve him with all your heart. Then he goes on and says, you must not turn aside, for then you'd go after futile things and you can't profit or they can't deliver you at all. He says, they, they can't help you, but God is faithful. Look at verse 22. The Lord will not abandon his people on account of his great name because the Lord has been pleased to make you a people for himself. 
Listen, you belong to Jesus Christ. Every one of us in this room who have trusted in Christ as Savior, I hope every one of you have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life. It's simply by faith alone in Christ alone and you're saved and you're saved forever. I hope every one of us have trusted Christ. God is faithful. No matter what sins we've done in the past, He takes us and He can use us for His glory if we deal with our sin, confess our sin, and He will take us and use us. So don't let something in the past stop you from making a huge impact for Jesus Christ right now. So look what he says. The Lord will not abandon his people. And then he says something I love. He says, the Lord will not abandon his people on account of his great name. You know what his name is? He's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who he is. And this passage, the word Lord is all four capitals, L-O-R-D, and it means the personal name of God. It's Y-H-W-H. Sometimes we translate it Yahweh but he's the personal God. In the New Testament, it's the word, a, a, a different word, kurios, which means master, and it has the idea of deity. The name Jesus means Savior, and then the Christ means the anointed one of God. That's who he is. That's his great name. He is the personal Savior God who's been set apart by God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what a message. Look what he goes on to say. Moreover, for me, as for me, Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, and I will instruct you in the right way you should go. Now, he says, I'm going to keep on praying for you. Samuel says, I will keep on praying, because that's what they ask him. Don't stop praying for us, Samuel, because we messed up. Samuel says, I would never stop praying for you. That's what I'm supposed to do. But sometimes we read the Bible so fast, we miss something that he said in that verse. I want you to notice what he says. Go back with me and look at it. Verse 23, more was for me. Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. But there's more, watch. But I will instruct you in the good and right way. He's not only going to pray for them, he's going to teach them. That's what we do for each other. We not only pray for each other, but we teach each other. That's what we're supposed to do. Listen, let me tell you, we've talked a lot about praying for each other and that kind of thing. I've told you, get you a little book or something, get a little bitty book, and then the people that you're close to, maybe the people in your grow group, maybe the people in your neighborhood, maybe your family, write down their names and start praying for them every day. In fact, even say to them, "Uh, I'm praying for you every day. What's some things you want me to pray for about? And begin to write it down. And then when those prayers are answered, ask for more. Spend time knowing each other, praying for each other, building each other up, and at the same time, teach each other. Now, that doesn't mean you have to have the gift of teaching. It just means you take what you know and you tell other people. And you can take the truths of the Bible and you can help each other grow. That's what we're supposed to do. And so he says, I will not only pray for you, but I will instruct you. And then he gives the warning. Look what he says. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. Consider what great things he's done for you. But if you still do wickedly, both you and your king will be swept away. And so he actually says, here's the righteous way of living. Worship, serve, and remember. Here's the unrighteous way of living. Sin, false gods, the result is discipline. Every one of us in this room have two ways to go. We can either live righteously and godly in the power of the Holy Spirit, living by the Word of God, making an impact for Christ, or we can live in the flesh, which actually brings discipline, it brings sin. And we can uh, either live one way or the other. We can live righteously or godly. So let me give you the applications, and that's the first one. Let's realize there's really two ways to live. We can be, we can live, we're living by faith, obeying the Word of God. There will be blessing there. Or we can live by the flesh, disobeying the Word of God, and there will be discipline. 
And we can do that. And I'm going to tell you, obeying brings blessing and disobeying brings discipline. Every one of us in this room, we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make right now. We have a choice to make in the next 10 minutes. We have a choice to make in the next hour. We have a choice to make when we wake up in the morning. And that is, are we going to live righteously and godly or are we going to live this disobedient way? We have that choice. We have, we have free will. We can choose to obey or we can choose to disobey. You can live in the power of the Holy Spirit. You can live in the flesh. And he says to the nation of Israel here, you need to live righteously and godly or there's going to be discipline. The second thing is, let's be men and women above reproach. Because when you look at the life of Samuel, he said, did I steal from anybody? Nope. Did I bribe? Any? No. no. And so we looked at his life and we say, wow, what a great guy. We want to be men and women above reproach. We want to live in such a way that people say, I can trust them. I mean, they're going to do what's right in our relationships, in our jobs, in our finances, in our dealings, in business dealings, all of those things. Let's be above reproach. The third thing is just remember that God is always faithful. We saw it in this passage. God was always faithful. He will always do what he says. And, and in this passage, we see over and over, he continues to provide. And then last but not least, let's pray for one another and teach one another. Samuel said, let's pray for one another. Let's pray specifically. And I advise you, get you a little book. It can be a little anything, just a little blank little thing, and just write down some people's names. I have certain people I pray for every day. I have certain people I pray for on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I have a little group of things. Then I have another little book that I actually have just a list of names of people who have said something to me like, hey, pray for me, I got this coming up. I write it down and pray for it. And, and sometimes they tell me it gets answered. Sometimes I have to say, hey, whatever happened on that? And they go, oh, it was great. I go, okay, I can't mark it off my book. Okay, so do that. So you can pray for each other. And you can remember things. And you can go up to somebody and say, I've been praying for your uncle. Whatever happened? And they go, gosh, yeah, that, I forgot to tell you. But it was really good. So pray for each other. The second thing is let's teach each other. We know the truth. We know the word of God. We have great opportunities to teach each other. As you know, 2 Timothy 2, 2 says, take what you've been taught and pass it on to others. We have all kind of material. We have what we call the 412. We have the 2-2. We have a thing called Discipline for Godliness. We have all kind of other studies back there that if you want to help somebody grow and you don't really know exactly what to do, we've got materials for you. We'll help you pass the truths on to others.